All right, guys, welcome back to Jay Talking Podcast. It's me, your host, Jay, and this is my third episode. I'm pretty shocked at myself that I've lasted this long, so kudos to me. <laughs> Today, I have one of the loves of my life, Megan. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're going to talk about something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while, um, and that is the power of addiction. So before we really get into the topic, do you want to like, I don't know, say anything about yourself or maybe people that don't know you? I mean, I'm sure it's going to be people that we know, but like, you know, hopefully other people that we don't know are listening. Um, I don't know. What should I say? I don't know. Tell them how cool you are. I think I'm pretty fucking cool. No, I'm a loser. <laughs> um, uh, so I mean, it's a touchy subject and I'm glad that I'm going to be finally talking about it. I mean, I've been going through this shit since I was 16, so well, yeah, that's crazy. Okay, so we'll just jump right into it. Uh, I'll, uh, guys, just, you know, trust me, she's cool, that's all. Um, so, addiction, by definition, is the condition of being addicted. Sorry, it's like super far, so I can't even see the definition. <laughs> uh, the condition of being addicted to a particular substance or having, you know, some kind of a, a habit, a dependency. So with that being said, you want to be the one to introduce uh, what you've been struggling with? I mean, yeah, I've been an addict that since like 14, 15. Uh, I didn't start out with hard drugs. I mean, just like anyone drinking, smoking weed, I would pop Xanax here and there. But um, I think it got really bad when I was 16. I had surgery. So, you know, they prescribed you pain medication. It started out with Vicodin, um, which is an opiate. So, you know, I told a few friends what I was taking, and um, obviously these are all the friends that I would do drugs with, smoke weed, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, if you like Vicodin, there's other stuff that you can take that's even stronger. And um, that's how I got introduced to oxycodone, which on the streets is known as blues. Uh, that was really popular, um, especially in South Florida with that huge uh, pill epidemic with all the pain clinics and yeah. stuff. So, and then... From that, it just graduated on to other things, from smoking the pills to shooting them up, and then from there, it led to heroin um, and Dilaudid, which is, like, the hospital heroin. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, you felt the need to take these drugs. Why? That's a great question. I That's probably one of the biggest questions that I've always asked, especially, like, even my parents or, like, when I was in therapy, and I don't know what brought it on or if it was if it was meant to happen like I always think about it that even at a young age I had an addictive personality which is what I was gonna ask Mm -hmm. with anything like if I liked a certain food I wanted to eat it all the time even a drink whether it been chocolate milk or soda it didn't matter I liked it even with people I see my addictive like traits coming out if I like a person I I want to be with them all the time so I really can't say like what triggered it Mm -hmm. I just think it was in my deck of cards growing up so I think it it didn't matter what group of friends I hung out with I think whatever that substance was I was going to latch onto it and use that as a crutch I mean it could have been opiates it could have been crack who knows I mean I've dipped and dabbled in almost everything but yeah it was gonna happen I think I'm glad you said addictive personality because you can get addicted to anything absolutely like food uh bad habits like physical habits you can get addicted to sex 
or like a certain type of emotion like feeding off of other people you can get addicted to drugs obviously and i've had my fair share of addictions like my earliest addiction is food is oh my mine too i mean i remember as a kid like it was never enough my grandma always fed me well i wanted a second plate third plate i wanted the chocolates at the store while we're waiting in line to pay like yeah it's like always food yeah i get it yeah So before I kind of share my experience with addiction, let me ask you a few more questions. So what is the substance, and it doesn't even have to be drugs, but if it is, I mean it is, uh, that you've been addicted to the longest? Oh, opiates, definitely. Where do you find them? I mean, of course, with the whole hospital thing, like I got them prescribed after surgery. I mean, so you can get it from a doctor, even off the streets. It's so simple. Yeah. I mean, if you know the right people, you can get them. That's insane. Oh, yeah. In certain areas, like in Hollywood or Miami, people know certain blocks where people just post up and they just ask what you need, they give it to you. Damn. I mean, that's everywhere, though. It's not just South Florida. Yeah, yeah. That's everywhere. But, like, right now, like, this country's having, like, a really bad, like, heroin epidemic. Like, it's bad. And, I like, I'm sure you've seen the videos where, like, people, like, cops and, you know, just random people are just seeing people, like, fucking zoned and zombied out in their car with their own kids in the car. Or, I mean, oxycodone, too. But what's this other drug? Um, well, there's heroin, Dilaudid. There's fentanyl, which a lot of people fentanyl. that mm. are cutting the heroin with because it's hard to get pure heroin. I mean, it comes from, like, who Afghanistan. You can get it in Mexico. But some people want to make more profit, so they cut their heroin with fentanyl, which is found in a hospital. And it's uh, however many times stronger than heroin. Mm-hmm. And people think they're getting fire heroin, and it's fentanyl. It is a huge epidemic. I watched this show um, on Netflix. It's called Follow This, and it you know it's BuzzFeed, and each episode is a different topic. Oh, but one, it's like eight, fifteen, eighteen minutes long on Netflix. You should watch it. Yeah. Um, but there's one episode where they're trying to open up um, safe injection sites, and you know that's a pretty controversial topic. Some people think it'll benefit them, some don't. I mean, in my experience, an addict is going to use whether or not you want them to. So why not make it a safe place for them to shoot up? I mean, there's harm reduction. You can save them if they overdose. You're giving them clean needles, which eliminates the risk of getting hepatitis C, HIV, which is another health problem that's in the United States. So, I mean, there's pros and cons, but it's like... Right, because I was, I was going to say some might argue, like, well, I, I definitely understand the fact that it's like, you know, people are going to do what they want to do. They'll change when they want to change. But the whole, like, let's give them a safe environment is kind of like feeding the fire. Like, you, it's a vicious a circle way, that we're continuing. Not, I'm not saying I'm against this idea. Right. I'm just saying, like, that's an opinion that literally just sparked into my head. So I'm sure other people would think that way. And they, you know, in the episode, of course, they have both sides because, you know, they have to. And, like, one guy who was a recovering addict said if he had that when he was out using, he probably wouldn't want to get clean because he's like, oh, look at this. You know, I have my own place to shoot up. Someone's watching over me. I get clean this, clean yeah. that. And then someone else put in the perspective, like, again, an addict's going to use whether you tell them not to, and at least, like, it is a safe place for them until they decide to get clean. Because, I mean, think about it. They go home, they shoot up alone, they die. They never get that second chance in the future to have that opportunity to get clean. So, I mean, when you look at it from both sides, it, you know, it makes sense. And I guess. You see, like, I'm just, like, on the fence about it. But I Oh, me too. And I... Because definitely... Because me, I could see how it could be, like, a a safe haven. Like, 
you know like cool i can you know shoot up every single day and be taken care of like what really what risk am i really running by continuing to feed uh, into my I mean, addiction there's still the risk of how they get the money to get the drugs especially with women prostitution they run the risk of getting raped or you know kidnapped and going into sex trafficking other stuff but at least like once they have their drugs they have a place to go to to safely do them they don't have to like be in an alleyway and like have to watch their back if like a homeless person runs up on them and i mean they talk about in the episode but okay i mean there's pros and cons i'm not saying it would work yeah this is just an episode that i watched i'm literally just like "Hmm, interesting yeah like you know things i didn't think about before um i have seen i i watch a lot of like vice and like Vice is great. I yeah. fucking love Vice. Same. Um, but I forgot what other channel on YouTube I watch that they, you know, they follow, not follow, but they interview homeless people or like addicts or like people's stories. And there was this one that it's like, a, a, like the community, like the police officers, firefighters, stuff like that. Um, instead of like cracking down on these people that are addicts and like live under bridges and stuff like that, like they go up to them, they talk to them, they get their information, they put them on a list and they're like, Hey, are you going to be in this spot next week? Like maybe we can have somebody come out and talk to you. Maybe we can put you on a list. Maybe we can put you on a program. And it's the same thing that you were saying, like the pros and cons, like the, even the homeless people themselves would be like, um, you know, sometimes we don't really get the help that we're promised, but then other people were like, yeah, they do come back and they do talk and, you know, they do want to see us get off the streets because it's like not always, you know, the negative, like, let's get them off the streets. Let's book them. Let's get them into jail. Like that's not really solving anything or helping. No, they're going to go right back out and do the same thing. Exactly. And it's like, do we really need more people in jail when really what people need is like understanding and compassion, but that's pretty interesting. So as far as this addiction, like how bad has it gotten? I mean, it, it's gotten, it's been pretty bad. I've overdosed a few times. I've seen people overdose in front of me. I've had friends pass away due to drug use. Some of them not overdoses, but some drug-related. Um, yeah. It's been pretty I bad. I think of a couple. Yeah, and uh, I've been in and out of treatment for a while. I don't... Rock bottom, I hear that term a lot, and it's really different for people. Some people think rock bottom is being completely homeless or going to prison or some cases dying yeah i mean rock bottom for me like i literally had no one this last time around like even my dad i mean he he took me and gave me money because i told him like i'm sick and i wouldn't stop bothering him and he was like let's go let's get your fix and like took me in the car gave me money let me do what i had to do then took me back home and like i don't know why that hit me really hard because i was like damn like, it's to the point that my dad, like, accepted the fact that his daughter's an addict and is like, oh, this is going to be my life and, like, took me to get high, you know? I don't know. I, I don't know like, why that hit me the hardest. Well, I mean, I don't think that that was wrong of your dad to do. And I don't necessarily feel... I don't think it was either, but I'm just saying the fact that it... I looked at him and I could tell that he had given up. Right, which is... Yes. what killed me the most. I was like... I'm about to be 25 years old and this is my life. My dad is taking me to get high and giving me the money in order to do it. And like, this is the norm, you know, because I've been through this for so many years. Yeah. It just, it was, I don't know. It didn't sit well with me. Right. And I mean, like, I don't think that your dad gave up on you. Oh, of course not. But that's how it felt in that moment that it was like shit but i definitely feel like 
he made the right move as far as like fine like do you want to do this like i'll take you to go and do this because it's like i'm sure it was like the shame and the the um like the disappointment in yourself and for your parents of course really bothered you I mean, if I went through something like that, that would probably be... I don't know if that would be enough because I've never suffered an addiction that Oh, and it's funny that I say that that hit me hard and then I, even after that thing, like, that happened, I still continue to use a couple months after that. I don't know. Addiction's weird. I don't know what leads someone to wanting to get clean. It, I don't know if it's a click in the brain. I, I have no idea, you know? Yeah, it's it's hard because it's... I mean, you're addicted. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're dependent, uh, like the definition says. So you almost have no control over it. So, I mean, damn, that's pretty crazy that your dad took you to get drugs. Yeah. But I, I mean, haven't told anyone that, so. <laughs> we can take it out if you want. Oh, no, it's okay. Okay. Um, I if mean, I don't want to, I won't say But that's real. It. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, that's real. Shit happens like that. And that's people's, just like it was your reality, it's your dad's reality. Like, it's your mom's reality. Oh, my parents, I look at them and I'm like, this, what amazing people, man. Like, I'm their only child and they they could have thrown me yeah. to the wolves, but they stuck it out and, like, kept helping me. Especially since your mom is a nurse, right? My mom was not always how she is now. She was never that supportive in the beginning. I... You know, of course, when it comes with addiction, like, drugs cost money. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing an X amount a day, you can't afford it. Especially if you're skipping work to go get high. You don't have a job or whatnot. So, I mean, I've, I've taken money from my mom. I've pawned a few things. So, for a while, she was very upset with me and wasn't as understanding as she is now. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I have to think that she's gone to, you know, the Naranon meetings, which is like NA, AA for say. parents. Like, your seems like the type that like even if she didn't understand she'd probably like try to seek knowledge about yeah it and, and, like, and that's understand. what she did and i really think from that point like it, it changed everything i mean she'd send me like daily quotes like motivational stuff like it's okay just for today yeah if you don't get clean now you will in the future my dad does that on whatsapp <laughs> so annoying I mean, it's not annoying I'm no grateful. it's it's good yeah. i mean my dad bless his soul he's not into the meetings and all that but you know my dad yeah (laughs) and he also dealt with it too my uncle he's an alcoholic so my parents were the polar opposites my mom thought if she kicked me out at 18 that it would do something and my dad followed me when my mom kicked me out we got an apartment and I guess from seeing with his brother how his mom was and always letting him stay in the house and helping him with food money rent that's what my dad did because that's the only thing he knew from seeing with his mom, you know? Right. You don't abandon your family. Exactly. No matter what the circumstances are. Yeah. So he saw firsthand, like, not necessarily all the time is it the best to just, like, give someone tough love and kick them out. Right. Sometimes you have to support them, but, you know, from afar, but still support, still, you know, be the helping hand. Yeah. I mean, my uncle's, um, he hasn't, he's been sober for a couple years now. I, he's few young, few years younger than my dad, so, I mean, it took him a little longer, but... I'm glad to see him doing well, so. That's good. That's awesome. And, I mean, your relationship with your parents is what now? Oh, it's great. Like, my mom annoys the shit out of me, but what mother doesn't? Yeah, Same with my father, but that's, like, my best friend, Mm -hmm. my roommate. (laughs) So, no, I'm so grateful for my parents. Well, that's good. If I didn't have them, honestly, I'd 
probably wouldn't be sitting here talking, maybe dead. Mm-hmm. That's so, insane. Yeah. And what about, like, I know that you've been struggling to get your whole uh, habit of smoking together. Yeah, I mean, vaping has really helped me. Um, I mean, it's still not quitting. I'm still inhaling nicotine, six milligrams, but I think for where I'm at right now, because I got clean, my clean date's April 9th, so I- Of last year? This year. Oh, okay. Yeah, 2018. Your clean date, as in you started this April Yeah, like smoking cigarettes? No, not smoking cigarettes, off drugs. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, I still smoke weed, but as far as like anything else other than weed and alcohol here and there, I have not done anything since April 9th. Yeah, I mean, this isn't the longest streak that I've had. I've but had eight still... months here. No, I, it's still an accomplishment, yeah. and I'm I'm proud of myself. And this time feels different. It feels like you're finally getting out of it. Yeah, and I also, and with people too. Like, I mean, you know, I've dropped so many people in my life that I, not that, I mean, I have love for them, but it's just toxic. Yeah. I mean, I could tell that I was dependent on them. Like, if they didn't do something I didn't want to do it. And it's like, I, I have to live for myself. Right. And I think that's another thing with like, you know, getting clean. I ha- It's my life. If I don't want to go somewhere, I don't want, I don't have to go just cause you want to go. Right. I want to do this. So I'm going to do this. I want to go by myself to do this. You know, mm-hmm. I just said this a lot. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> like trying to think of examples. I'm like this, this, that, that. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. But that's good. I'm proud of you. I'm very happy for you. Thank you. Edit that part out. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I've had my fair share, still have my fair share of addictions. Nothing as quote unquote hardcore as that. I don't like when people say that. Um, Sorry. no, No, I don't mean it in a bad way like that. Oh, drug addiction is so far worse. I look at addiction no matter what it is. They're all the same to me. This is true. Because it's not what you're addicted to that makes it bad. It's like all the feelings and stuff that you suppress underneath it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you look at people that are like over 400 pounds. Like, oh my gosh. That's yeah. crazy that you need to consume that many calories to fill the void in your heart. Same thing with like doing drugs, drinking, running, ec- like exercising is an addiction, sex. Mm-hmm. So all addiction's the same. Okay. Fair. Fair. So my experiences with addiction. So um, the first thing I probably started struggling with was food. Um, When I was younger, like maybe pre or like the beginning of elementary school, like I wasn't an overweight child. I was actually a pretty cute kid. Um, But I'm not sure what happens like around the time that I got my period, like 10 years old. Because that's when, like, I was, like, eating a lot. I was, like, a heavier (laughs) kid than, like, the rest of my classmates. Um, And I remember, like, I don't know if you remember these pants that used to be popular back in the day. Brazilian jeans? No. Oh, okay. But, yeah. (laughs) But, no. (laughs) There were these um, pants that, if you unzipped them, they turned into, like, shorts. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? Yes. All right, we had to pause for a second. Okay, we're back. Megan dropped the mic, but we're fine. We're back on track. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. 
um so yeah those pants were like that was the shit back then but i remember being in line this was fourth grade and my teacher singled me out in front of all my classmates and said don't wear those pants oh my god what a fucking bitch yeah because i guess she thought they were tight on me like they weren't provocative they weren't short like these were long pants i'm telling you that you turn into shorts but they were long pants and she literally made me feel like shit and she was like don't wear those pants again in fourth grade so i was just like okay so i mean that's the first thing that i've struggled with i'm still struggling with um i kind of use food to like you know the same way everybody else that uses food to like well yeah i'm happy i want to yeah, fucking eat get I'm endorphins sad. out of it yeah i'm sad eat a pint of ice cream i'm happy let's go get cake uh anxious let me get a chocolate bar like yeah it's how i am all the time which i'm trying to work on but i have also had my fair share of like you know issues with drugs um when i was in high school that's when you know usually everybody gets introduced to things and i remember the first time i tried weed i hated it immediately i was i didn't get high (laughs) yeah me neither i was just like this is super whack and i don't understand why people are doing this um and then like maybe the second third fourth time maybe it took me like three times to like finally like reap the benefits of weed and i was like okay like this is cool but i was never like i want to be high like i I, at that point i was just like this is cool to do but like i i never went out of my way to buy it or like i didn't think i needed it to survive you know what i'm saying yeah and then you know after we graduated high school that's when everybody was going to raves doing this dubstep shit and everybody was popping pills left and right and i definitely did that oh yeah me too i never went to raves but i I had my little fair share i've been rolled out or what is it rolling balls i forgot what rolling face (laughs) before i was pretty lit um And I remember we even, like, amongst my friends, we rented this house in Orlando, and we just took a weekend to just be drugged up, like, literally smoking, drinking, and just on pills. And we thought that was the cool thing to do. Yeah, of course. Which, looking back on it, it was a fun-ass time. But pretty reckless, you know what I'm saying? Because, like, who bought those pills? What you don't know what's in them? in them, yeah. Yeah, and, like, at that time, like, you know, I'm always the worried war and the mom. So, like, immediately when my friends told me we were doing this, I was already on Google. I was like, <laughs> ways not to overdose. Like, that day we went to the rave, I brought orange juice, I brought pretzels, I made everybody go to Wendy's. I was like, wow. nobody is dying on my watch, bro. I was already, I'm always so full of anxiety that I was just like, if anyone catches anything, if anyone dies, like, it's gonna be me. Which yeah. is a horrible mindset to try any kind of drug on, obviously. But that's just how I am. Um, So, I mean, thankfully, I didn't get, like, addicted to pills or anything like that. But I did create some kind of a dependency with weed. Um, Now, this happened right around the time, or it happened because the end of my first relationship. Like, I had never turned to weed for, like, emotional relief. Yeah, emotional relief. Uh, until the day that my first serious boyfriend like decided like we were through and I remember that day like I didn't know what to do like I just felt like I wanted to die like I just called my friend and I was like we need to go to the beach and we need to smoke like and that's what we did and I just remember being on the beach and like just feeling numb and that was like the first time that I was just like hmm yeah like maybe I can like use this now for these kind of I like this feeling yeah like okay cool like I feel like I was dying before but I don't feel anything so it's cool, which was not cool. So from then on out, and I'm telling you, when I was with this guy, though, we would smoke all the time, like the biggest potheads. And still, even then, I didn't want to do it all the time. Like, I would do it because he did it 24-7. Right. And 
even me like i would get high with him like so high with him that it would be so uncomfortable like i would be like hyperventilating oh i know one time i'd be like bro i'm ready to pass out like can we just stop smoking like you guys are still smoking like we've been smoking all day like come on and i hate being like high in public like it's just an uncomfortable feeling like it's not enjoyable i don't care what anybody says i mean the that that aspect of right now and um so yeah so after the breakup that was like my go-to um obviously i at this point now that i'm not with him like i'm going out of my way to buy it myself like i'm using my own money to buy this uh, you know using it to hang out with friends um because that's another thing too like it's a recreational drug so you chill you smoke with your friends right but then you don't realize how much you're really using it you know because then all my friends like they smoke 24 7 too so it's like it's getting to the point where like now i can't even be sober like for a full day like now i wake up i have to take a hit or not now but at this point you know wake up take a hit eat smoke uh freaking hang out with friends smoke go out smoke get cross yeah before anything yeah before anything before anyone does anything like do you have a joint let's stop and roll one like did anybody bring a uh like anything you know what i'm saying like it's just everything revolves around that now because of you know everybody smoking and it's not like that anymore and i'm pretty happy about that so i'm not gonna get too much into this topic because i want to save this topic for another podcast but the, you know what had happened to me i think that i explained that i can't smoke anymore because right. of this and it, i know a lot of people that's happened too yeah so um like a lot of people don't know that when you're like a, i don't want to say a chain smoker but like a habitual weed smoker throughout the years like you'll start to get effects like you're gonna have stomach issues you can have lung issues like it can make you sick you know what i'm saying if you're the type of person that literally puff puffs all day long like it's like people want to justify weed as like the natural drug and like yeah by all means it's i don't want to say it's the healthiest but it's like you know a better route than everything else but everything yeah everything uh in excess is bad well i mean you're inhaling Smoke, smoke into your lungs yeah. regardless of the fact if it's thc or nicotine or tobacco yeah, like it's not supposed way. people to are be like i'm in healing magic so i mean just hanging out with people that literally didn't want to do anything but smoke all day uh that became an issue for me uh trying to sit here and like smoke it out of my window or hide it from my parents or just just be yeah, like, being secretive about it exactly and, yeah and you know eventually my parents found out and my dad you know he is was funny about it he didn't really care you know I'm, i am him so anything that i am doing he's already done and been through right uh, my mom is always the one that's like oh my god now you're gonna get addicted to crack and coke and at first i thought she was being super dramatic but i can understand that train of thought because it wasn't even just like weed that i was like tempted to like try like i remember a couple years ago my brother got his wisdom teeth pulled out and uh. they gave him percocets dude i copped those i told him straight up i was like if you're not gonna use them give them to me and he did give them to me and i did use them like for no reason and even when well before i was like super uh smoking like this when i was 18 i had my gallbladder removed and they gave me vicodin and dog yeah i know and muscle relaxers yo i was lit for a long time for a long time and i didn't need them anymore but yeah so eventually this uh i got sick we can say and now if i try to smoke like it induces panic attacks like very bad like i'm telling you it feels like my stomach is gonna explode i can't breathe uh and i feel like i'm gonna die like legit i'm gonna drop dead and die and like it the addiction to it is so bad like i turned to it so much 
to relieve, like you said, my emotions, mm-hmm. that, like, even after this was happening and it was inducing these panic attacks, like, I would push myself every single night for months, Megan, in my room, like, having panic attacks by myself just to try and see if I could get high and feel nothing again. Like, knowing that I'm, I can't breathe and that I would have to call, like, my boyfriend at the time or my friend at the time and, like, have them walk me through this and, like, help me breathe every night. That's crazy. Just to try and risk that high. You know what I'm saying? And then it got to the point where I was just like, okay, like, I can't uh, smoke like I regularly could. Like, you know, I used to, when I was living in the apartment by myself, dude, my roommate was a pothead. Like, I remember. <laughs> remember? Like, dude, I would smoke two joints, like, in the morning. Uh, we'd come home and smoke two joints again. Like, that was like, I thought I was living the life, you know, being able to do whatever I wanted. And yeah. honestly, it was just, like, hindering me. Or, you know, that habit was hindering me because I had so much freedom and I wasn't controlling it. I was just like, oh, well, now I get to smoke all I want. And that's. No one can stop me. <laughs> yeah. And literally, no one could stop me. Like, I couldn't even stop myself, which is the sad part. Yeah. For months, I would risk that feeling. And then it, it, like, slowly dwindled, and I'd be like, okay, so I can't smoke a joint. Let me try and, like, take a couple hits. So I was still trying to see, like, how far I could push myself before, like, that panic attack or, like, the fear kicked in to yeah. try and see if I can get even, like, the littlest tingle of, like, high or, like, what high used to be for me. And then it, like, I was like, okay, so now I can't smoke a joint. So I'm going to invest in an oil pen. So I would get an oil pen. Same thing, dude. Uh, and I'd still, like... I remember your oil pen. It was pretty lit. But, yeah. I mean, nobody knew I that. Literally I think I smoked it more dying. than you did. Yeah, you probably did. <laughs> like, I'd give it to you and you'd take five hits. And I'm like, bro, like, I've only <laughs> taken one hit. Like, Or I think you bought an oil pen you went through, like, two weeks. And yeah, mine lasted, like, three months. Because that's literally how much I wasn't even trying to smoke anymore. Because I was just like, dude, I'm even scared to, like, take a hit out of this oil pen. Uh, but still, still trying to get that high. And um, it's just so bad. And I still kind of feel like I need it. Not need it, but like it's a relief. You know what I'm saying? Like I have, I've tried cigarettes, but I've never been addicted to smoking cigarettes or mm-hmm. like had that be my vice. But I 100% understand the feeling of lighting a cigarette in your mouth, taking that fucking inhale and like exhaling like you just got fresh air yeah like i did that the other day so i thc i guess is what really triggers this problem for me or maybe it's just all in my mind i don't know maybe because i know it could be the mind's a powerful place yeah but like my brother gave me a a cbd joint i've been trying to take cbd for like anxiety and other things i had oh you saw the cbd gummies yeah yeah yeah. they were great a full joint and so the other day when i was leaving work i was like okay maybe i can you know light it up take a couple hits and I took that first hit, Megan, and I exhaled and I felt like I was a chain smoker. Like, I felt like I hadn't smoked in, like, years. And I was relapsing. I was just like, <sighs> and it wasn't even THC. I didn't even get high, you know what I'm saying? But it right, was just CBD the fact has that, nothing. Yeah, it was just the fact that I exhaled smoke and, like, the oral fixation that I was just like, holy shit. That was a crazy feeling for me. I was like, oh, my God. And, like, I'm so glad that like I said, because of the fact that I can't smoke the way I used to, that I literally just refrain from smoking. Like, I still have the CBD joint, I'm not gonna lie. And I'll probably take a hit, like, here and there. Like, I probably took a hit the other night. Um, but it's more like, again, to relax, to see if I can relax, if it does work for me. But, dude, like, I didn't realize that I was, like, living my life, like, with this veil. You know what I'm saying? Like, clouded as fuck, and I didn't even realize it. Like, I was suppressing so many emotions and, like, trying to just not deal with anything. Like, my life, my job, my romantic situation, uh, my family, just everything. Like, I was just trying to be stoned and away from the world all the time. And, like, that's no way to live life. 
No, it's like not. Like, you're not living life. You're literally just alive. That's which... how I felt for years. I mean, some days I still feel like that, but... I get you. I definitely get that. But it's just, like, now I really appreciate, like, regular things. Like, before I'd be like, oh, we're gonna stay home, let's get high. Or we're gonna go out, let's get high. Now, like, when I hang out with my friends and I'm sober, like... I appreciate it so much more. Like, I appreciate the conversations I can have with people, like... Right, because you're actually there, and yeah, it's you experiencing present. it without... Yes. Without being, being on something. Like, oh, <laughs> like, you know, I'm not knocking it for anybody that does it. Like, good for you if you still can do it. Um, but just find that balance, because that shit can get really bad really quick. And, like, I don't care if anybody out there says you can't get addicted to weed. Of course you can. Like, just like we were saying before, you can get addicted to anything. And I was definitely addicted to weed. I definitely can say that. Um, And I'm so glad that, you know, my body is the one that told me, like, no, you can't. Like, I honestly felt like if I kept trying, like, something was going to happen. Like, I was going to have some kind of uh, side effect. Right. Like, either my stomach was literally going to shut down or I don't know. I don't know what. But it just, that's what it felt like every time. It's just bad. And, like, it's just... Everybody is ready to come to terms with their problems when they're ready. Oh, I agree with that 100%. Yeah, some because... people may take like five or six years. I've known some people that they only had a pro- like a drug problem maybe like five, six months and like they yeah. have like three or four years clean on off. I'm like, wow. Like, I'm glad it worked for you on the first try because yeah, it's I've hard. been in and out since 16. I just turned 25 fucking years old and Ten years I'm crazy. now just fucking getting it, you know, and it's, it's fucking crazy. It's hard. I've been smoking since I was 18 and I literally just now, even after a year of what happened, still like I was like trying to find a fix with weed and it's crazy. And it's like, you see the effect it takes on you. It's not like you don't see it. It's not like you're trying to justify it. But it's just like, you really just can't until you can. Yeah. That's all it is. And, yeah. I mean, it sucks too because, like, I've reached this stage in my life. And I can, like, look back at it and be like, wow, like, that was a pretty crazy time. Um, And now, like, I see it in other people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I see the desperation in other people. I see, like the frustration with themselves like i see the addiction in other people like i have friends that literally uh can't do anything sober like they won't hang out with you if they can't be high oh i know and they don't think that's a problem like they're just like "Mm, like that's really weird like i'm good i'd rather not go if i can't come and be high you know what i'm saying uh or they'll like go out of their way to like like i used to do like to hide it from their family or like to just not be home all day so they can go be somewhere else and be high all day and then come back when they're yeah i did it yeah So it's like, I'm no one to tell someone, like, to stop doing what you're doing or to say what you're doing is wrong or to say that, like, you know, you need a grip on your shit. Um, I'm only there to, like, help people if they reach out. You know, if people open up to me and they ask me my opinion, then I say something. Um, If I see you, you know, doing, living your life, I'm not going to say anything to you because it's just like, you know what I'm saying? It's not going to do any good. Oh, no. People are going to do whatever they want to do. And a lot of the times, too, you tell someone not to do something and make them want to do it so much more. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to be like, oh, I'm going to prove you wrong. I don't have a problem. I can start and stop whenever. Oh, I did that all the time. I'm like, I could manage my life. Watch this. I'm going to get fucking high. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to be a functional addict. And I was quite the opposite. I couldn't get out of bed. All I wanted to do was get high. Mm -hmm. I walked. I don't know how many jobs I've walked out of. I, you know, I went to hair school. I stopped going to college. I only like 20 fucking credits. 
I never accomplished anything. So, I mean, who did I prove wrong? Myself. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, now you're at a point where, you're like, you can, again, prove yourself wrong. Oh, yeah. I mean, I the current job that I have, I've been there for a year. That's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. I've never lasted at a job for more than a couple of months. So. You know what? Like, I've never been... I've been fired for a job once, but only because that lady was a bitch. <laughs> um, but... I've had a lot of different positions and a lot of different jobs, and I don't think I've lasted at one of them for more than a year and a half. Like, there was just one job that I was back and forth, and that was when I worked at Tijuana Flats, my first job, um, because they were just, you know, as messy as I am. And, um, (laughs) but other than that, like, I've had a lot of different positions, and it's always just been, like, me. Like, I just end up leaving the job. Like, I can't keep a job. And same thing, like, for people that don't know me and me and work together, um, and, I, honestly, I think this job is uh, a blessing in disguise because as annoying as we say it is sometimes, like, the environment's really good. Oh, uh, I honestly, it was a huge blessing for me. I had so much social anxiety. I couldn't talk to people, especially with my drug use. Mm-hmm. Like, I was always by myself. So, like, to talk to people was a huge fear of mine. Like, I didn't want anyone looking at me. I didn't want to talk to anyone. And this job really helped me interact with people and not be so to myself and shy and awkward yeah. I mean I'm still awkward but um that's okay so we love you. in a good way yeah yeah <laughs> um but yeah like the environment's super positive even if people are like fake happy and nice like it just you can't help it makes but, it better yeah like it rubs off on you like then you start being fake happy and nice and it's like fake it till you make it by the end of the day you're pretty much happy and nice like whether you want it to be or not All right so you know hopefully you know, I mean, I don't know what life has in store for us, but I mean, I don't see myself going anywhere for the moment. You know right. I, and I just said that to someone today, too. I was like, you know, this is a good job for now. Um, I'm not saying I'm going to leave in four months, but I'm not I'm not saying I'm going to stay for another five years. Right. It's just something great until I figure out what it is that I meant to do in life. Exactly. It's a steady job and it comes with benefits. I work with people I love. Mm-hmm. I mean, I work with you. I have other friends there, too. So mm-hmm. why do I need to leave? Exactly. There's no rush. I, yeah. I, I, um, I used to be frustrated with the jobs that I had before because I was just like, oh, well, you know, I don't see this going anywhere. And I, guys, I've been everything, dude. I've been a insurance agent. <laughs> um, I've worked for a cruise line as a travel agent. Uh, I've been everybody's goddamn hostess and <laughs> uh, server, waitress, uh, maitre d'. I've even managed at restaurants. I've trained at restaurants. Like, what the fuck haven't I done? You know what I'm saying? And I always thought that, okay, like, this is not for me. Or, like, I don't see growth here. But really, I I feel like you can have any job. I mean, I'm not saying don't follow your dreams. But you can have any job in the background while you figure your life out. Like, I was just always so focused of, oh, I'm at the wrong job. Instead of being like, okay, like, I have this job for now. What can I focus on? Like, what hobbies do I want to change? Like, what can I propel myself into to try and get to where I want to be? You know what I'm saying? And this is a really good job to do that because, look, I have this little podcast on the side. I can work this schedule and I don't feel tired. They're super flexible. And, like, you know, like, I've been going through my own shit. Like, my attendance. Well, yeah, I mean, I had the same with them, too. They let me take, like, a week leave of absence yeah like they're very uh understanding with you know your personal issues they even have a counselor on site i'm not gonna say how i feel about that counselor because i did make an appointment with him but at least you know i heard he's not a counselor though he you have like eight sessions with him and then at the end he gives your his diagnosis of what he feels is wrong with you well this is funny because he like pretty much gave me a diagnostics of like what he feels about me like the first time like the first 30 minutes oh interesting and i was just like okay 
that's fine. Um, but again, I'm not here to judge this, this person that works there. The, you His know, name is no, Yeah, no. <laughs> the fact that they offered the support is cool in general. Um, well, I mean, mental health is such a huge thing. Like, right. I think most jobs recognize it now. I mean, my dad works at the post office and he says the same thing. Like, there's a counselor. They have yeah. all these different packages that you could have, like, that you get more time off for family purposes and yeah. mental health issues. And it should be uh, a topic. Like, I know that we're not actually talking about... Uh, I know. I was going to say this Mental is... health, because I do want to do that as a, a different episode. But it like, does tie in with addiction, though. Exactly. A lot of people... Um, I know, because I've been in treatment centers a lot, and they have a lot of dual diagnosis programs where it's like, you suffer from addiction, but you also have bipolar, borderline personality disorder. You have mm-hmm. anxiety. So, I mean, it's like to treat both, because right. they're intertwined i mean right i mean if you weren't depressed maybe you wouldn't be taking drugs you're self-medicating in a way yeah so which is why i don't mind you know touching on the topic yeah i definitely feel like it should be recognized more because like when when you talk to people about this kind of stuff like they're just like oh you're depressed why or like things could be worse or like oh i don't talk to people that way things like i i think that's so rude uh, of you to say like you know what i'm saying like first of all if someone is opening up to you and telling you that they're having these issues the first thing you shouldn't do is try and like not justify what they're going through or like try to you know try to decipher what they're going through like if they're going through it, it's because they haven't figured it out so what makes you think that you're gonna figure it out and it's like if someone tells you like oh i'm sick you know like i have a cough or i have cancer or, or you know things like that like people take it seriously they're just like no like she's sick but, like, if you tell someone that, oh, I'm depressed, or, oh, I have extreme anxiety, or, oh, I have this and that. A lot of people say it's like, in your head. Yeah, they're just like, no, but you have to pull through it, and you have to do that. And it's just like, I absolutely agree. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, a, you know, you got to fight the good fight. But it's a, an illness and a disorder just like everything else. And it's something that you have to work through to get better at with support from other people. Like, yeah, that's the reason I don't really like to talk to anybody about it because that's the response I get. It's just like, but why? But tell me the reason why. And it's just like, first of all, what the fuck are you talking about? Or like, when you're like, oh, I feel this. I don't feel pretty enough. I don't oh, feel good enough. But oh, but why? you're so gorgeous. You you're this. Oh. You're smart. And it's like, it doesn't I change what that. Like, is I have a here. brain and it, and it functions. You know what I'm saying? But there's a part of my brain that goes against all of that. And that's the illness. Yeah. You know, it's not that I can't help you that I have a problem. It's not that I can't understand like, oh, people's lives are worse but that doesn't make my feelings any less valid and you know sometimes there isn't a reason for why people feel the way they do you know what i'm saying it's a chemical imbalance for a lot of people right for a lot of people it's caused by you know some kind of trauma or life experience um and i don't know i just feel like if people are brave enough to open up to you in any kind of way about this about anything um hear them out which is what they want you to do hear them out and be there to support don't try to tell them how to manage their problem just be there as the you don't have to say anything yeah. just by listening Literally, you're helping them tremendously oh, just and, and do me a fucking favor don't cut them off because people do this to me a lot am i cutting you off no uh, well i'm not sharing anything i mean I'm i kidding. guess we are but <laughs> people do this to me all the time like sometimes i like feel like I can open up to someone and I start it and people cut me off. They try to tell them they're Yeah, they make it about them. They're just like, Oh, this is what you go through. Oh, me too, I'm sad too. And it's like, great, let's talk about that. But why did you have to choose the moment that I decided to open up? Or I love Like it makes me feel like we're in a competition to be sad together. And it's I not I was literally gonna say that people are like the one uppers. Like you're like, Oh well I'm sad I do this. Really? Well I'm sad and I've well, been kind for like seven weeks yeah. and I tried cutting myself. And I'm like, and it's okay, like wow, like that. Thank you for sharing. 
you know, like, let's talk about it. But that's not right. Like, I don't think that's right. For me, that's just like, oh, like, I, I understand that maybe that's some people's way of saying, oh, like, you know, I might kind of relate to what you're mm-hmm. going through. But that's the wrong way to do it. Like, hold your tongue. And when you actually feel like sharing that, or, you know, you feel like you've heard the person enough and they're ready to receive that information. Yeah, go ahead and, you know, talk to them about it because it's a two-way street with you know your family your friends your significant other you're supposed to be open and be able to talk about these things right but don't try to like smother someone in your shit too like that's not cool that's not cool and people do it to me all the time which is why i don't share any feelings um unless it's on this podcast apparently so yeah no i was the same way like even in treatment centers i mean also another thing with like addicts they love to be the center of attention in a way mm-hmm because it kind of like glorifies them it's like i'm an addict like i have an issue yeah i mean i would be in these like group meetings and and they would say that too like in those aana not to glorify like drug use or alcohol use because like you want to send a positive message to the newcomers that are in these meetings but you would listen to these people talk and they share like their experience strength and hope and they're like yeah, I used to smoke like X amount of crack a day. I would do this and that to get my crack and I would do this to shoot up and bath. They would just tell all the stories and I'm thinking, but how did you get better? Right. Like how is this relevant to how you got clean? I know how to get high. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm sitting in this fucking room with you. How did you get better is what I want to know. So, yeah. No, that's a valid point. I don't know. I guess people, like, romanticize the addiction, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what it is. It's like you're so in love with this drug yeah, and everything Yeah, like, you're trying to sell does. yourself as, like, wow, look at me. I used to be so fucked up, and, like, now I'm supposedly not. Or oh, maybe you're not. I used to think, like, I'm not going to lie, when I was, like, in... I don't want to say the worst part of my addiction, but in the beginning, I thought I was fucking cool, like... Oh, I do drugs. Like, I'm edgy. Like, yeah, heroin chic. I'm hardcore. Yeah, and like, like... you know when people are like, yeah, I'm a stoner. I smoke all day. Like, now I hear that shit and I'm like, I feel so do you wanna, bad for you. Yeah, do you want a fucking cookie? Yeah. Like, what do you... Like, who you cares? you don't do anything but get stoned? Like, low-key, I'd be judging people out. Like, I don't like to say that because, like, I mean, everybody already knows that I'm a judgmental ass bitch. Like, oh, me too. I'm I like, Yeah, like, but I keep it to myself. You know what I'm saying? What can I do? <laughs> I'm only human. God only, can only make me 90% perfect, you know? So... I just, like, when people tell me that, they're just like, oh, my God, yeah, I was so high. Like, I guess maybe, like, now I'm realizing the way I used to be and, like, how much I missed out on um, that now I, like, look at people like that and I'm just like, okay, that's it? Okay. Yeah. Like, good, I'm glad you got high. That, you, nothing else? Cool, all right. <laughs> and again, like, people will change if they feel like they need to change, when they feel like they need to change, how they feel like they need to change. And I'm just glad that I was able to see it in myself. And again, I'm glad that something happened in my life. Like before when this happened, like it was a pretty traumatic experience for me. Um, But when this happened, like I really thought like my life was over. I was just like, great. Like I I thought I was a fuck up before, but now I'm like absolutely a fuck up. And it definitely, I said this in another podcast, like I absolutely feel like you make things happen in your life, but also things happen because they need to happen to you. Absolutely. You know? So I'm before when this happened to me, I was just like... I can't even fucking wrap my head around my life. You know, why me? As I always was. I was just like, why is me? You know, my life. But now I'm just like, I'm glad that that happened to me because there was no other way that I was going to learn to get over this except for that way. You know, when you feel like your life really is in danger and harm. So, 
I'm glad that, you know, we spoke about that because I wanted to get this out, you know. No, I, I mean, me too. Um, I've always, like, kept it secretive, even though for people that know me, I don't think it was a secret. Yeah, like, for me, uh, I kind of knew before you told me only because some people, like, share other people's business, like, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. I'm not going to say it was wrong or right for someone to tell me. I'm glad someone did tell me. Uh, because then, like, when you said certain things, like, I just wouldn't, like, I knew what to say and what not to say, I guess. Right. Um, and then also, like, I remember there was this one time that we were sitting outside uh, of your house and your mom was there. And she had made a comment. Uh, remember? Oh, I, was smoking and she I was already like, remember. Yeah. Because I remember going inside saying, how fucking dare you? She doesn't know. Right. Well, I mean... I, I, I didn't know if you knew that I knew. So I wasn't obviously going to say something, but I was just like, that's why I agreed with your mom. I was like, yeah, like I prefer Megan to smoke weed and do anything else. You know yeah, I, I remember that comment. I was super pissed. But even like in high school, I, I kind of fell off the face of the earth. So I mean. I didn't know though. I literally honestly Well, I'm just, know. not for Un- you in particular, like, but I got, mean with other people. Yeah. And of course, like you said, a lot of people don't know how to keep their fucking mouth shut and love to talk about others. So yeah. And that way it's been spread around. Yeah. But I and guess right I, now I'm not ashamed. I don't, it's happening to so many people that I, I'd rather be open about it because if someone listens to this and it can like, help yeah. someone, then. And you told your story, not somebody fuck, else yeah. trying to be like. Oh, that too, yeah. Oh, did you hear about me again? Like, so what? People go through shit. Get over it. Yeah. And I'm the one dealing with it. You know what I'm saying? Not you. So why are you so concerned? And I think that's another turning point too this time around is that I'm not so ashamed of my past that it now I look back and I'm like all right it happened it is what it is at this point I'm still young I'm 25 I have so much life ahead of me that Mm -hmm. I can still make a great life for myself and be the person that I've always wanted to be absolutely so there's people that don't get their shit together until their 30s Megan there's people that don't know what the fuck life is until their 40s and there's some people that don't get that chance because yeah there's a lot of people that there's a lot of our friends that are not here yeah yeah and we are so so that just means we have to do better for ourselves and we will yeah look at you with your podcast i'm trying (laughs) third episode guys if anybody's listening and you've made it this far fucking you're awesome thank you i mean is there anything oh i did want to say something but before i say that is there anything else that you want to say about this topic about your experience about uh addiction in general not even to just like uh you know drugs or anything like that like is there anything that you need to say want to say feel the only thing i think i would want to say is that addiction affects any person like it's not just one set of group of people yeah like it's not like oh sorry go ahead oh no i mean if you have like no, I was just gonna jump say that piggyback off. Yeah, of it. like you're absolutely right. It's not like it's not like you know, uh, young people. It's not just guys. It's not just women. It's not just like people that work a certain job or live in a certain area or you know what I'm saying. Like it happens to anyone with anything. And um, one thing I didn't want to do uh, on this episode was like try and be like, oh, here's some ways that you can get over it because. I just feel like it's different for everyone. Exactly. Like the issue is different for everyone. The substance, the, the item is different for everyone. And you know, what works for me is not necessarily going to work for you. And I don't want to say something on here that someone might actually be like, okay, um, let me try that and them not, it not work. And then, you know, them be discouraged. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So all I can say is if anybody out there is listening and they find themselves like 
you know, in the same position as, as us, um, that they feel like they are currently struggling with any kind of addiction or were struggling or, you know, don't really know who to talk to or how to reach out. Um, I mean, my, uh, Instagram is always available. If anybody is my personal friend, you can always call me. Um, there's resources online, but one resource that I did find is, uh, SAMHSA. It's the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services uh, Administration. And you can go online. They have a website and you can also call. So the website is www.sam, as in Mary, hsa.gov. And that's a resource where you can, uh, you know, it's a, kind of like a hotline and stuff like that. It's free information. And then you can call. It's 1-800-662-HELP. Uh, and I hate when they write those letters. So it's 1-800-662-4357. <laughs> but yeah, it says here it's open 24-7, 365. And it's just like, you know, treatment information, referral programs, uh, information. They have it in English and Spanish. So if even you don't have friends or family or a specific person to talk to you about it, um, this is something that you can do by yourself confidentially. And just, you know, even if you're not ready, you can just browse. You know, I feel like, uh, some information is better than no information at all. And a lot of times people feel overwhelmed with the idea of like trying to conquer their fears or their addiction or their problems. And they don't really know how to go about it. And it probably seems larger than life. Um, but once you actually take the step to maybe reach out or dig up some information, you can see that it's, I'm not going to say that it's not hard, but it's, uh, possible. So with that being said, Thank you, Megan. No, thank you so much for having me. Hopefully I'll be back for another episode. Yes, I have a lot of bullshit that I want to talk about. Cool. And not enough people want to fucking reach out to me and be on this podcast. That's fine, you guys. If you want to hear me and the same five people on every episode, I don't give a shit. That's what you're going to get. So, Megan, we'll be back on another episode of something. Absolutely, because I can talk about anything. Yeah, (laughs) I can talk about anything. Yeah. So, yeah, with that being said, I really appreciate the fact that you were so open, that you shared your story. Um, I'm happy for you with where you are. Thank you, thank you. You are one of my bestest friends, and I love you. No, I love you so much. And I hopefully someone listens to this and, you know, finds it helpful, and it gives them the courage to want to reach out or even start over again. Exactly. And, like, this just goes to show, like, the thing that I really like about my podcast is that so far, I mean, there's only three episodes, but so far it's been my friends, like people I know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, and, that's how it starts. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just the fact that the topics that I want to cover are not, like, ordinary, like, mm, let's talk about the weather, you know, like, shit. Like, I'm trying to talk about some real shit. And the fact that I can do this with my friends just kind of goes to show, like, everyone deals with something. Especially the people that are right next to you. Like, And you don't know. And you don't know. That was another thing that I wanted to say before we close. Like, if you do know someone, just be patient with them. Yeah. And, like, give them all the support that they need. And if they want you to back off back off for a little bit yeah like just be there for them yeah whether it be from afar or right up their ass no i'm kidding but you know be what they tell you that they need yeah. you know and if you feel like they need a little more be that but don't again don't smother them don't overpower them don't get frustrated when you feel like someone isn't doing uh something the way you want or doesn't take your advice because that can be discouraging too you know what i'm saying absolutely like there's people that are already trying to figure out how to get past the stage and it doesn't help when you have other people that are supposed to just be there you know with a smiling face kind of just like point a finger at you and be like wow you're like you're still not doing this right too you know don't you know just 
think before you speak. <laughs> Definitely. And you can always, I mean, if you're listening to this and you don't struggle with these specific issues, that doesn't mean that you don't have friends that do. And you can always go online and, you know, find information on how to start that conversation. If you see someone, you know, that, that cuts or that is, you know, substance abusing or, you know, I don't know, was suffering for some kind of eating disorder or anything like that. Like there's ways that you can try and open up that conversation, but just understand that, you know, it has to be also when they're comfortable and when they're ready. So there's nothing wrong with wanting to be there for someone, but just let, let them know by doing other things, you know, be a great friend and they'll understand that like they can come to you with this and it's not anybody's job to fix someone, but it's like you, it's like the term, it takes a village, you know what I'm saying? So yeah thanks guys thank you thank you megan this was my third episode and as always i never know how to close this out so i'm just gonna say peace peace out motherfuckers